Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's grab those and open up to the book of James. And we'll be in James chapter 3 this morning. The past month or so, we've been uh, kind of walking through the, the book of James and in a series that we're calling Get Real. And James is telling us what it looks like to get real with our faith. And in chapter 3, James gets real with us by talking about the power of our words. If, if you're anything like me, it, it's typically your mouth that gets you in the most trouble. And, and you don't mean it to be that way. You, you don't intend to say what you said, but it just came out. Anybody ever been there? Anybody been there this week? How about this morning so far? A couple hands already. You know, I remember Courtney and I, we, we got married back in 2009, and we were early in our marriage, and Courtney's mom and dad and sister came to town for the weekend, and so we were going to go out and about and show them some of these really cool places, and so we were going to go out for dinner. So Courtney and her sister started getting ready, and, you know, they get ready to go, and it's just about time to leave, and, and so me and my infinite wisdom, I look at my mother-in-law, Joni, and I say, hey, Joni, don't you want to go get pretty before we go? <laughs> Open mouth, insert foot, not the best at that moment. Uh, and, and, of course, she gave it right back. What, am I not, do I not look pretty enough to be seen in public with you? You know, that hurt a little bit. So, you know, I, I got a hard time the rest of the weekend for that. But I think we've all done it, right? We've all said that thing we didn't mean to say, but we had the right intentions, or at least so we thought. But sometimes we say things that just come off so awkward, or it's just the wrong moment that all you want to do is go find a hole to crawl in, right, so nobody can see you. I, I got permission, by the way, from Courtney to tell this story. Of course, this happened long ago before she was as spiritually mature as she is today, of course. But Courtney was in college, and she was hanging out with some friends, and they were getting ready to go out and play pickleball or something like that. And so they're hanging out, and they're tossing this beach ball around the apartment. And there's a, there's a lady there who's, who's pregnant, and the beach ball flies over and hits the, the, the lady that was pregnant. And Courtney, trying to be funny, keeping it light, says, watch out, be careful, you don't want that baby to be born with six fingers. Well, instead of there to be a nice chuckle in the room, everything got really weird, and the lady that was pregnant lifted up her hand, and nevertheless, she had six fingers. So Courtney just wanted to turn around and just get out of there as fast as she could. So that ended up, her boyfriend broke up with her, and thankfully he did because I married her, and now life is great, and I'm celebrating Father's Day here with you. But we've all been in those moments, right, where we say something we shouldn't have said, and we didn't even mean it. See, words are powerful. Words have a way of building up, and words have a way of tearing down, and, and often some of our our greatest and our worst moments in life have been defined by our words. I'm sure you can still remember the first time you asked your spouse out. Or maybe you remember that first job interview you had. Or, or since it's Father's Day, dads, how about the first words your kids said? You know, there seems to be a competition, right, with mom when you, when you talk about, hey, wh whose name are they going to mention first? Courtney and I had this little bet going on. Who, Emma, our oldest, who would say their name first. And I remember one day we're sitting there watching TV and I've got the baby monitor and I've got it sitting there and I start to hear this noise. And I immediately thought it was the Candyman, right? You guys remember the Candyman movie? I was like, the Candyman or the Boogeyman is in her bedroom. So I ran upstairs and turns out it was Emma and she was saying, Dada, Dada. Now I wasn't scared anymore though because I won, right? She was saying, Dada, right? There was a victory for me. But our words mark these moments 
in life. These great moments, but also some of the most awkward moments. I was reading an article this week about how many words we speak in a day, and I could never have guessed this. The average American speaks 16,000 words a day. 16,000. Now, some of you are like, man, I blow that out of the water. Like, come hang out with me for an afternoon. Others are like, man, I might speak 16,000 words in a week. But that's the average. The average novel is 50,000 words, which means that in a little over three days, you speak enough words to fill a novel. That means each year you could speak 117 novels into existence. And if you are here today and you are 50 years old, you have spoken 292 million words in your life. Well done. Well done. It's an amazing amount of words. Simply put, we talk a lot. Some of us more than others, but we talk a lot. And by the way, texts and Instagram posts, they count too, right? It's all part of the same thing. So ultimately, what, what, what we're talking about here is that words matter. The words you say matter. And it shouldn't be surprising to us that God, in his invitation to us into the greatest life we could ever live and the fullest life we could ever experience, has a lot to say about how we use those 16,000 words per day. In the book of James, he tells us again to get real with our words, and he tells us that our words make an impact. And he says this in James 1, 26. He says that, that our words are a test of our faith. Notice what he says. If anyone thinks he is religious or does not bridle and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James is saying that your faith is seen through your words. It, this whole book of James is talking about how does what's on the inside become seen on the outside. And he talks about works and he talks about how we treat other people. But here he's talking about your words. And what James says is, if you have a genuine faith, it should change your words. And if your words haven't changed, then you have to ask, is my faith truly genuine? And so James is going to really kind of step on our toes a little bit here and tell us that words are important, that words can build up and that words can tear down, that words can bless and that words can curse. So as we, as we work through this, this, this text today, I want you to ask the question, what do your words say about you? If you sat back and, and listened to the words that you had to say, what, what would those words say? Maybe you're like Loki in episode one when you, you stand there and somebody puts a piece of stack of paper in front of you with every single word you ever said and said, sign here that this is every word you ever said. How would you feel? Would you be happy, joyous, or would you be sad? Would it bring tears to your eyes? Our words matter, and our words are important, and our words can make a difference. Notice how James says it. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Here's what James says. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their, their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird 
of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Forefront, this is the word of the Lord. You know, James here has a point, and that point is this, that our words have the power to build up, and our words have the power to tear down. That, that we, we have great power in our words to bless, and we have great power in our words to curse, and we need to be careful with how we use them. Because like toothpaste, when you squeeze it outside the tube, you can never get it back in, and it's the same thing with our words. They can never go back. So we have this power to build up with our words, and our words have a power to tear down. You know, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. In the book of Proverbs, the, the author, Solomon, he, he writes uh, uh, that our words are, are so much powerful than we could ever even imagine. He says this in Proverbs 18, 21. He says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I read that and I think, Solomon, it's a little over the top. It just seems like you're exaggerating a little bit. Death and life. But I think if we explore that enough, we realize that it's true. You know, when I was growing up, we were given some great techniques to handle the hurtful words other kids would say at school. You guys remember? Remember those pithy little nursery rhymes we were taught? How about this one? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will... Like, who wrote that, by the way? Was he deaf? Like, seriously? How about this one? I'm rubber and you're glue. What you say to me bounces off me and sticks to Or my personal favorite. I, I used to love this one. I know you are, but what am I? You guys remember that one? I know you are, but what am I? Now, do these ever really work, though? I don't think so. You know, because the reality is broken bones can heal, but words don't always heal. The reality is that I'm a, mo- a lot more glueish than I am made of rubber. And the words have a way of sticking around. I don't know if you guys saw this, but last month in May, the, uh, we, the Children's Hospital of Colorado released a state of emergency. And what they're saying is that it's youth mental health is at such an all-time high right now that, that it's been declared a state of emergency. It's something we all need to pay attention to. You know, and it's a hard subject to talk about, but it, and it's impacted so many families. But you know, we, we look around at the lives of our little ones, and we see that there's just been so much. There's been so many hurtful things said, and we know kids are mean. Kids grow up, adults become mean too, and so we got to really be conscious of the fact that words are hard, and words have the ability to tear down. I was reading an article in the L.A. Times. And this was written from 2019. It was before the pandemic, and it was talking about teen suicide. Again, it's such a hard topic. But it was saying that now teen suicide is the second leading cause of death from kids 10, yeah, 10 to 34. And it couldn't pinpoint just one thing, but it, it said that one of the main reasons they think that there's been this uptick is because of the fact that digital technology is so readily available. So 
Kids can be mean over social media now, and there can be shaming online, and all these things that, that maybe some of us didn't have to deal with. And it's led to a place where hundreds and hundreds of youngsters have had hurtful words said that have stuck with them, that have held on to them like glue, and have taken them down a very dark road. So when Proverbs 18 says that there's death and life in the words that we say, he's right. He also says this in Proverbs 12, 18. He says that there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You get that picture in your mind of a sword thrust. There's that open wound, and it may heal, but the scar will still be there. And, and you may not realize it or not, but you're carrying that scar around with you. You know, things that people have said. And I, I think we could probably, if we, if we got honest with, you, with each other and went around the room, we could say, hey, what are some of those things that maybe were said to you that you're still carrying? And I think we've all got one or two or, or maybe even more. You know, is the hard words that the, the kid down the street said to you when you were out riding your bike or playing in the neighborhood. It's the, the difficult, snide comment that your, your spouse made to you. It was that hard review your boss had with you that, that stripped you of your confidence. And at the time, you, 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 it didn't maybe hit you as hard, but now you're carrying it around with you. It's like a sword thrust. It's a wound in your side, and it, tre- it changes actually how you treat other people. When I was growing up, I, uh, I was a little hyper. You guys may not be able to believe that or not, but I talked a lot. I used to talk fast, and, and my parents took me in, and the doctor was like, no, he's, he's fine. He's just a little hyperactive. He's going to be okay. I'm like an air traffic controller. You guys kind of see some of that up here sometimes. But I remember the, the kids in the neighborhood would be like, Drew, calm down. Like, you're kind of a spaz. Like, you're, you're kind of weird, man. And I laughed it off and didn't pay any attention to it. But fast forward decades later, and now I've got little ones. And when my little ones get all worked up and start to get all excited and look like they're directing traffic, I tell them, calm down. What's going on? Slow down. But internally, I realize that what I'm doing is I'm trying to protect them from the hurtful words that kids at school are going to say to them, just like they said to me. What are you guys carrying around? We've all got something that we're carrying around. And sometimes it impacts the way we treat other people, and other times it just impacts the way we treat ourselves. You know, social psychology and social science have done a lot of research on negative self-talk and found that when we internalize the words that others give us, we internalize those, we begin to speak those words over us, we begin to look for reasons that they're true. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so the more you carry with you the words of somebody else that hurt you, the more you speak over your own life, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'll never be able to be that person I want to be. The more you're going to see reasons that's true in your life, you're carrying those wounds around. Proverbs also says that the words of the tongue can also bring healing. So I guess that's one of our questions we have to ask is, are the words we speak tearing down or are the words that we speak building up? Simply put, words are powerful, and if they're left unchecked, they can cause some serious damage. And, and so it should be no surprise that James starts off this text by talking about teachers. Look, look back at verse 1. Notice what he says. He says this. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James's point is this. Be careful who you listen to. If, if you are listening to the wrong voices, it's going to impact your life. If you're listening to voices that all they do is tear down and never build up, you're going to end up homeless. But if you're a teacher, you need to be careful too because you need to be careful that you're teaching the right things in the right way. So are you building down 
or are you tearing? Are you, are you tearing down? Are you building up? Because our words are powerful. I love these illustrations that James gives us here in verses three and four: the horse and the ship. Last Christmas, we went to Nebraska and spent time with Courtney's family. And there's a, a, a ranch really close to where her mom lives. And so we took the girls horseback riding. And we're out there riding and riding the trail. It's probably an hour-long ride. And it's really fun. And, and everybody's on their own horse except Chloe is riding with somebody else. And we're riding along. And I noticed Hallie, my, my middle daughter, just her horse just, I guess, it thinks it's time to race. So it just takes off, right? Just pulls out a line and just goes. And as a dad, I'm like, you know, I want to cheer her on. But I'm also like, no. So the, the lady leading the tour goes, Hallie, just pull back on the reins. And so Hallie just leans back a little bit, and the horse slows down and just pulls right back in line. Hallie weighs 50 pounds. That horse weighs 1,000 pounds. But yet that bit in the mouth pulled that horse back into line. This is what James is saying here. Notice in verses 3 and 4. He says, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. I had a buddy that was a retired Navy master chief, and he served on the USS Nimitz. It was a battleship as an aircraft carrier, actually. And this ship is 1,092 feet long. It's propelled by two motors and steered by two rudders. A thousand foot long ship, the rudders are 29 feet by 22 feet. 30 by 20 is steering a thousand foot ship. And so James is saying big things are driven and steered by such little objects. And the same goes with our tongues. This little three ounce muscle in our mouth can direct our body and it can change the landscape of our community because it's powerful, because it has the ability to build up and has the ability to tear down. So his conclusion in verse 5 is this. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. It doesn't take much to start a forest on fire, and it doesn't take much to start your life on fire, and we can all be done by our tongue. Have you ever started a fire because of the words you said? You know, one of the interesting things, if you think about, like, human history, just think back to the, the whole of human history, the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, that at the center of every movement in human history has been a powerful communicator with persuasive speech. You look back, you look around in human history, and you say, how could that have happened? How could someone have thought that was a good idea? Why did someone go there? And it was because there was someone who was a powerful communicator with great rhetoric and powerful speech and persuasive speech that led us down the wrong path. How could Hitler lead the Nazi party to try to take over the world and devalue the entire Jewish race? How could Pol Pot convince his own people to exterminate 25% of the population of Cambodia? How could the South be so blinded by Jim Crow laws that it completely overlooked a huge portion of the people that live next door? How could that happen? How could this be? Every terrible movement in history has been behind it, has had someone who is a powerful communicator speaking persuasive speech and rhetoric that takes people off the rails. And that's why we have to be so cautious of our words because we realize 
that what happened with the Holocaust, what happened in the Jim Crow South, what has happened with abortion in America has been, been driven by powerful words used in the wrong way. You look at the debate we have about abortion today, it's, 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 it's changing terms and it's saying, well, it's not a baby, it, it's a choice. It, it's not a baby, it's, it's a body, it's a clump of cells. It's easy to change your view of something when it's an it, not a baby. And the same thing has been the cause of so much destruction over history. The reality is words change how we see things. Words are how five to six million Jews were exterminated. Words are how three million Cambodians lost their lives. Words are how babies have been ended before they were born, have lost their lives before they were born. And words are impacting your life and my life every single day. Our words are powerful. And if you listen to the wrong voices, it will lead you to the wrong place. And if you say the wrong words, you can leave a trail of spiritual arson behind you. But you know what's interesting? If you look at what we see in Scripture, when we look at what the Bible tells us about how the church began, is that it wasn't powerful and persuasive words. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you think about Paul. Paul says to himself that I'm no eloquent speaker. Paul will tell you himself that he had no persuasive speech, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that moved the word of God through people. Our varsity quarterback couldn't preach a lick. And yet today, we've got this word in our hands, and we're able to be in this church, in this space, opening God's word together. How did that happen? It's because the power of God's words, because God's words build up and not tear down. So that's a question for us, is how do we become people whose speech is full of words that build and not words that tear? Words that edify and encourage and not words that condemn, complain, and criticize. So let me ask you, when you think of your words, how are they impacting other people? Dads in this room, men in this room, how are our words speaking into the lives of our children and our wives How are they received? What's it like to be on the other side of you, right? How are your words received? Moms, wives, how are your family receiving your words? Are you building up or are you tearing down? Because James says that your words have the power to do both, to choose wisely. But notice what else he says. He says this. He says that words are what reveal our hearts and that, that words are what reveal the progress of our faith. That your words actually tell you something about yourself. And they tell you something about your heart. Look what he says in verse 2 again. He says this. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. Now, James is saying here that if you can control your tongue, then you can control your body. That if you can control your tongue, you can control everything else about yourself. But then he says, well, who can control it? Well, actually, none of us. James's point is this, that, that the, the mark of, of discipleship is self-discipline. It's growing in your faith and who God wants you to be. But if you don't see it in your words, then you've got to ask, God, what am I really doing here? God, how are you working in my life? Our words are an indication of our hearts. You know, it's really, it's really funny. If you look at the Bible, especially the, the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, you see that the older you get in life, the, the more that some of your sinful desires wane. Right? Solomon talks about this. The older he gets, the, the less he cares about being the, the king, the less he cares about being the, the most popular, the most good-looking. 
But you know what doesn't wane as you get older? Your, your tongue. Your, your, the, the sinful desires that come from your tongue. And I think we've all met people who have grown in age and, and they have changed in age, but it hasn't changed their tongue. And if your heart is bitter and dry, your words are going to be hurtful and they're going to sting. So James is saying here that if we can learn to control our tongue, we're still going to have troubles. But at the center of who we are, taming the tongue it will fight what is wrong with us because our words reveal our problem. Our words reveal what's going on inside of us. And the root problem we have is not because we have bad timing or that our jokes are really not funny. The root problem we have is our words are messy because our hearts are messy. And this is what James is talking about. His point is this. Is if what you see coming out of your mouth is not good, then it tells you something about yourself that you need to pay attention to. Notice what Proverbs 12, 23 says. It says this. It says, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaim folly. So where does folly come from? Where does foolishness come from? The heart. I love how Jesus says it in Luke 6, 45. Jesus says this. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the what? The heart. His mouth speaks. That Jesus is saying, that you want to know what's in your heart, you have to listen to what comes out of your mouth. That there is a correlation that is tied together. And church, I want you to see, this is a really good thing. What Jesus says here is really good. This is a grace of God that we don't have to wonder what's going on in here. We don't have to question what's happening inside. We can know. How do we know? Because of what we say. We can know because of what is coming out to us. You don't have to wonder if your heart is angry. You don't have to wonder if your heart is jealous. And you don't have to wonder if your heart is needy. You can tell by the things that you actually say. Because if, think about it like this. If, if you're always blowing up on people, if you're always angry, it's going to tell you something about yourself. Now, we, we try to give ourselves a, a break, don't we? We try to justify it. Well, I blew up on you, but I'm so sorry because I had a hard week. Forgive me for my hard words. It's just been really stressful this week. I haven't got much sleep. I've been staying up way too late. Work's been really stressful. So we try to justify the reasons that we were angry, but instead of justifying it, why don't we just look at what we said and see what's going on in our heart? Because I think if we're honest, we've all said things with the intent to hurt somebody. Now, don't raise your hand because the person you've done it to may be sitting next to you. But the reality is we've all done it. Whether we intended to or not, there's been things that came out of our hearts that said something that hurt. We've got to pay attention to those things. Because sometimes the jealousy and the envy and the pride and the anger has a way of working itself out when we don't want it to. You know, have you ever been in a place where you've maybe been talking to a friend and your friend is telling you something that's going on in their life, but instead of celebrating with them, instead you, your response is kind of a dagger and a wound in the side? You know, your friend is saying, hey, I got this new job at the tech center. I'm really excited. And your response is, man, I'm happy for you. Man, I'm glad I don't have that commute. I wouldn't want to drive that 40 minutes. I wouldn't want to deal with that traffic. Or your, your friend says, hey, we're going to go to Disney World this summer for vacation. It's going to be so fun. And your response is, man, I love Disney World, but I wouldn't go in August. It's too hot. It's too humid. I'm not sure why you picked that month. Hope you guys have a good time. Bring your electric fan, right? Sometimes we respond. We don't mean to, but what's coming out of our heart is 
anger, jealousy, it's envy, it's pride. And our words show up in so many different ways. And this is what James is talking about. He says in verse 11, notice what he says. He says, does, not, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? You can't have fresh water coming out where there's salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You want to know who you are on the inside? James says you can tell by your words. You can tell by the things you say. And i got to be honest with you. When I read this text, it... <laughs> it steps on my toes really hard. Because so many times in my life, what has came out of my mouth has been, has been anger or, or has been rage or has been blowing up on something. And I always blamed it on the fact that it's just anxiety or it's pressure or it's time was stolen from me or whatever it is. But the reality is that my words were indicating that I had something going on in here that was messy. I had something going on in here that needed to be fixed, that I needed Jesus to come inside and do surgery on my heart. That's what my words showed me. What about you? What are your words showing you about your heart? See, maybe for you it's jealousy. Maybe for you, you, you hear something good about somebody else and you immediately start cutting them down in your mind or you start cutting them down behind their back. Somebody says, well, man, I tell you, she, she doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Julie look great today? Isn't that a great dress? And your response is, yeah, it's a nice dress, but man, she probably spends so much money on clothes. She's got to be going into debt, right? I don't even know how she feeds her family. Or, or maybe for you, it's, it's that feeling of being needed and being important. So somebody new comes into the office and they start doing great and people start going to them for things. And then somebody says, man, Chuck is just killing it. Chuck is doing a great job. And you say, yeah, Chuck seems a little shady to me, Right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his job for doing something illegal. Like, we say these things. We don't necessarily know what's behind it. But it's jealousy. It's pride. It's envy. Maybe you're, you're, uh, you want to be the best parent, the best parent you can be. And somebody says, well, man, isn't Bob a great dad? And you say, yeah, he seems to be a great dad, but he never lets his kids out of his sight. I wouldn't be surprised if those kids live at home till they're 40, Right? And so we say these things and it reveals our heart. See, the reality is this. What drives your heart is what drives your identity. And if your identity is threatened, what's going to happen is you're going to lash out with your words. So what is driving your heart? Where are you finding your identity? Because your words will give you up. And, and this is where the gospel enters in and it changes our mouths. This is when the, the good news of Jesus comes in and it changes our hearts and it changes our mouths, which changes our words. Because when we can grow into an understanding of who God is and we can grow into an understanding of, of who Jesus is, that we are forgiven and we are redeemed and we are, have been saved and we are loved and we are the friends of God and that God gives us everything we need, it shifts my identity and how I see myself. Because if I first see myself as the son or daughter of God, that means that I'm Courtney's husband second, that I'm Emma's dad second, that I'm the pastor at Forefront Church second. And that's a really good thing. Because I don't need to find my value in these other things. I find my value in who God is and who God says I am. And it spills into all of the rest of my life. If my identity is in Jesus first and secondarily in everything else, it changes my heart. And you know what else it changes? My words. Because then 
I don't need Courtney to be my savior anymore. I don't need this position to be my savior anymore. I don't need the way I look or the way I feel about myself or the way that others think of me to be my savior anymore. You know who my savior is? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And that can change everything because at that point, I'm no longer threatened by you. I can rejoice with you and I can celebrate with you and we can do it together. And it'll change my words. See, forefront, I hope we can see that this has the power to change our life. That when our hope and identity is rooted in who Jesus is, that our identity is rooted in what Jesus came to do for us, we don't have to try to try to tame our tongue anymore because Jesus is going to change our hearts first. Because we can find our hope in the one the Bible says that there was no deceit found in his mouth. There, there was never a lie or a gossip or a condemnation found on his lips, but he was perfect in every way, yet Jesus came and gave his life for us so that we could have life changed hearts and changed mouths. We can't tame the tongue on our own, but you know who can? God can. Last Wednesday, my grandpa was called home. My grandpa, Lindy Tarwater, is one of the most amazing, if not the most amazing, guy I've ever known. Almost turned 92, was called home. An amazing guy, such a good guy. One of the funniest guys you would ever meet. One of the nicest guys you would ever meet. Just always had you laughing. Always was encouraging you in what you were doing. Always telling you he was proud of you. But about 12 years ago, my grandpa called us in. We were at home at his house for an event, and he sat us down, me and my dad, and he said, hey, I just want you to know I made a decision. I'm not going to tell jokes anymore. See, my grandpa was in the Navy. He learned a lot of jokes in the Navy. And my grandpa was the nicest guy you'd ever met, meet, but there's something about him when he started telling jokes. They were just a little off color. My grandpa realized it, and at 80 years old, decides it's time to change. Shows it's never too late to change. At 80 years old, he says, I'm not telling any more bad jokes. And something so little as we, we think about that changed his life. My grandpa became the most encouraging person you could ever meet. Every word he said was building up. Never said a word to tear down. Everything he did was to tell you how much he loved you and how proud of you he was. And I will hold on to that forever. Because in my heart, I will treasure those words. Because he says words that built up and that didn't tear down. See, he took a look at his heart and saw that there was something coming out that wasn't in line with his faith. And James is wanting you and I to do the same thing. To ask that question, what is coming out of our mouth that doesn't match the faith that we say we have? And let's take a deep look and let's see what are our hearts revealing? So as you think through this this week, this is what I, I would challenge you to do is to, to spend the time and pay attention. What words are coming out of your mouth? Is it gossip? Are you saying something behind somebody's back that you would never say it to their face? Maybe it's flattery. You're saying something to their face you would never say behind their back. Maybe for you it's grumbling or it's complaining. Maybe for someone else it's, it's lying, it's half-truths, it's exaggerations, it's deception. Or maybe, like my grandpa, it's bad jokes. 
But whatever it is, God wants you to see it, to pay attention to it, and to, and to address it. Because forefront, if this hits home for us, if we take this seriously, if, what, what would it look like if every one of you in your relationships, in your circles of influence here at this church became people who are known for their encouragement and their edification and their building up? And they said, you know, there's something different about that person. There's something different about those people over there because they're the most encouraging, loving people I've ever met. How would that change your life? How would that change the life of the people in your circles? But the reality is we can't do that until we start here. So here's my challenge this week. Let's think about our words, and let's think about what we say, and then let's repent and confess those words to God. Repentance, repentance is when we turn. We realize that we're going the wrong direction, and we turn and confession is when we give it to God and say, God, I am sorry for what I said. And the Bible tells us that God is faithful to forgive us and to wipe us clean. And so whatever it is for you, that's, that's my challenge. Let's repent and confess to God, but then let's also go and confess to those that we've hurt. If it's a spouse or a child, if it's a friend or a coworker, let's go to them this week. What would it look like if we made a list of the people we wanted to tell how great they were? And we went and said, hey, my friend, I just want you to know I love you. Hey, my friend, I want you to know, I think you're awesome. How would that encourage them, and how would that change their week? Forefront, here in a minute, I just want to uh, take a moment, and I, I want us just to close our eyes and to bow our heads, and I want us just to give a second to, let's ask God to reveal to us, what, what are our words showing about us? And let's take a moment, and let's lay those at the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is, let's pay attention. Let's ask God to change our hearts from the inside. And what we'll see is that our words will be changed forever. So if you would, let's, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's just, let's just be quiet and ask the Lord to do a little work on our hearts and to reveal to us where have our words revealed we've gone off the path. And then let's lay that at the feet of Jesus. What you're seeing and in, in, in God is revealing in your heart is that, that it's anger or that it's, it, it's jealousy or, or maybe it, it's a neediness or it's a, a loneliness. And what you're seeing come out is words that show your heart. I, I just, Lord, let's we just lay that at your feet. Father, we thank you for the words of James that help, help call attention to the power of words and how words reveal our heart. Father, if there's anyone here today that is just struggling with the words that they say, I pray that you help them to see that there's healing, Lord, that our words can be healed as our hearts are changed. So, Lord Jesus, we ask that you come into our lives and that you stir up our hearts, that you stir up our affections for you, that you help us see that where we've got off path, and you help us to see where we have, have allowed our, our hearts to be turned to, to something else and that we're finding our identity in something other than Jesus. Lord, help us to lay all that at your feet and know, Lord, that you are faithful to bring us exactly where you want us to go. So, Father, we ask that whatever our words are showing our hearts this week, help us to get real with our words and to ask you, Lord, to move in our lives, to change our hearts and so we can change our words. So, Father, we thank you for this time together today. 
And Lord, we ask that you do a mighty work in our hearts, in our lives, and in this church so that we can, through you, do a mighty work in this world. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.